Well, hey, to get us started this morning, I want to invite up Noah Thatcher. Noah Thatcher is going to read our scripture this morning. Uh, Noah is a dear friend and trusted brother. Uh, Noah also had a birthday yesterday. So on the count of three, can we say happy birthday, Noah, real loud? We're not going to sing. We're just saying happy birthday to Noah, okay? One, two, three. Love you, love you, buddy. Uh, so Noah's going to be reading our scripture for the day. Uh, and Noah, at the end, will say, this is God's word. Uh, and then your response is, thanks be to God. So Noah, take it away. Awesome. Okay, we're in Isaiah 37. We're going to be reading verses 30 through 32. Uh, this will be a sign for you, Hezekiah. This year, you will eat what grows by itself. And the second year, what springs from that. But in the third year... Sow and reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below the, and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of God. Thank you, Noah. Well, last night, our church hosted a father-daughter dance. I have a picture of the event. Who was at the father-daughter dance last night? Raise your hand. It was a party. It was awesome. Um, the father-daughter dance, or as I like to call it, the daddy-daughter dance, has become uh, one of our most anticipated events in the Polino house every single year. I have two younger uh, girls, um, and I was sitting there talking with uh, my girls last night, uh, and uh, our kids' team uh, put together at tables intentional questions for our girls, and which I, I just feel like I need to pause and just honor Macy McLean, Danielle Palm. Macy and Danielle organized it, but there were so many other people who volunteered, like Jenna Owen, Jessica Lohr, uh, Caroline Stewart, and others that I'm not even mentioning that I, I don't know about because they just serve our church so well in the area of our kids' team. I think we have the best kids' team in the world. In fact, if you have served in kids over the past year, I would like, I mean, you're probably not going to like what I'm about to say, but just would you stand up, please? Could we clap for you? Please, go ahead. Yes. Just want to honor, and, and a lot of our kids' team, like a good portion of our church is in there right, uh, uh, behind this wall serving. And so when you're listening to this, just want to say thank you, thank you, kids' team, uh, for loving our kids and helping them know the love of Jesus and helping them know how to follow him at a young age. So uh, it was awesome. Uh, last night, I was sitting there asking my, seven -year -old, my almost seven-year-old and five-year-old these questions that they had, um, they had for us at the table, intentional questions like, what's a favorite memory that you've had with your dad? And uh, you sharing a favorite memory with them. And it just hit me uh, that the father-daughter dance has become a, a milestone every single year of checking in to see like, wow, my girls have grown so much uh, and it made me think back to just the past father-daughter dances because we've done this for several years. And so I have a picture of the first one that I went to with Ellis when she was one. Um, and so that's, she, did, she does not remember it, obviously, but that was a special uh, moment for me. Uh, also, my beard was uh, really strong back then. 
So that was, I was like, I don't, I mean, that's like dwarf level on Lord of the Rings. So maybe I should um, grow it out again. But, uh, and then the next year's uh, following in front of the fireplace pictures, we have uh, year two and then year three when we have uh, Everly and Ellis. Uh, and so it was just like these, these milestone markers of seeing year four and year five uh, and just seeing my girls grow up so fast. And then here's a picture of us last night um, when they are wearing actual lipstick and they have flowers. And I'm like, these two young ladies are my daughters. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, start the butterfly, butterfly Kisses soundtrack right now. You know, just like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it just hit me that this type of rhythm has become a way to take stock and get vision for my relationship with my daughters, to look back at how much they've grown, and then also to be thankful for the present, but then with intentionality to prepare for the future. How can I continue to have a good relationship with them, but even how can I be more intentional in between the next father-daughter dance of having memories with them, you know? And so it was just like this great milestone in, in our rhythm. And so as a church, our Vision Sunday is intended to be that. Because whether, no matter your stage of life, I think we could all relate to some level of getting into the day-to-day, the week-to-week, month-to-month, and sometimes year-to-year, but you'll have an event that might kind of wake you up and look around and be like, how did so much time pass? You know, and you look, and maybe it's a birthday you've had, maybe it's a milestone of someone else, and you just kind of take stock and like, wait a second, like, is the trajectory of my life pointed in the right direction? You know, when you start to take stock of things, and, and then you can look back, and you can actually reflect on, wow, God's faithfulness is bigger and, and, and more apparent than I remembered, and I forget so easily. And all throughout the scripture, God teaches us to remember, forget not all of his benefits, and to remember that he's the one who takes our life out of the pit in the gospel. He's the one that gives us a heart of flesh instead of stone. He's the one that rescues us. And some of us need that reminder. I need that reminder every single day. But this is kind of like a zoom out big picture, getting above uh, getting the, the forest from the trees view for our church. And so that's what Vision Sunday is about. And, um, and so this scripture that Noah shared uh, has been significant to us as a church, Isaiah 37, 30 through 32. Uh, this is the same scripture that I shared a year ago at our last Vision Sunday because um, last year it was the beginning of a three-year vision of like, hey, I think this is the three-year journey that God is going to have us on as a church to become a people like this. But first, before I get into that, I want to give a little context for what's happening in Isaiah 37, 30 through 32. So if you pull up the scripture again, uh, what's happening is in this time period in, in scripture, there's a prophet named Isaiah and a king named Hezekiah. And the people of Israel have not, have forgotten the Lord they have relied on themselves, and they have even relied on other gods, and not the God of Israel, not the God of heaven, not the God Yahweh. And Assyria is a nation that is destroying other nations. They're kind of the superpower of the day. And Assyria comes in and occupies Israel and then threatens to destroy Israel. 
and they say that, look at all the other nations. Didn't they have gods that said would save them? Look what happened to them. You will be the same. So you need to go ahead and just surrender now. So Hezekiah, it's written in a letter, lays out this letter before the Lord and says, Lord, you see, you hear what they're saying. We repent and we say our only hope is in you. And so Isaiah gets a message from the Lord saying, because you prayed to me, I have heard you, and this is going to be a sign to you that your salvation is going to be not a coincidence. It's not going to be from your military power or your shrewd diplomatic uh, abilities. This sign is going to be a reminder to you that it was me that saved you, and it's me that is going to be faithful. It's God that is going to be faithful. And so this is what the signs were that he gave to King Hezekiah in verse 30. He said, this year you will eat what grows up by itself. And so in that first year, this is 702 BC, okay? So in that year, the Assyrians are occupying the, the, the land, so there's no way to actually cultivate crops. There's no way to sow, to plant. And so what God is saying, I'm going to supernaturally have food grow up by itself to feed you. So it's going to grow up by itself. Now, in the second year, in 701, is when God begins to uh, move the Assyrians out, which is a, a cool story I don't have time to share. But they're evacuating, but in that time, commentators say it still would have been near impossible to farm, to grow crops. So he said, in the second year, I'm going to supernaturally provide for you again. What springs up from that, you're going to eat. But in the third year, sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. And what I was learning and studying the scripture more uh, was that uh, when you plant a vineyard, it's actually called viticulture, I think. It's the science of, of, of uh, growing grapes. Um, that as you do that, it's actually a plant that requires peaceful conditions in order to thrive. And so when it says, it goes on in verse 31, once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. What he's saying is there's going to be a security that I'm going to give you where you can take root and you're going to have peace, and you're going to be able to bear fruit once again, and you're going to eat that fruit. So there's this beautiful promise, and it says, For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So there's this amazing promise to remind the people of Israel, this is who God is, and this is who God will be for you. And so when this happens, to not think that it was by your own power or own strength, but it was by the hand of the Lord. So that is the context for this passage. Uh, uh, this was fall of 2022. I was uh, reading my, I was reading through Isaiah, and I was reading through Isaiah. This scripture popped out to me, and just this three-year sequence popped out to me. And it popped out to me for different reasons. One is that um, as a church, uh, really the body of Christ from 2020 to you know, three years in with COVID, just experienced a significant amount of challenges and pruning as we, you know, the whole world did. But I think in particular, the body of Christ, there was a refining fire that God had over the church. And so there was challenges there. And I think one of the things that we realized is that perhaps we were depending more on our own strength, or our own wisdom, instead of just relying and surrendering 
to Jesus. Uh, and so that was like one of the things that we were learning from that. So it kind of like this remnant and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, not our own zeal, you know? So that stuck out to me. And then we were also in a place where, um, where we were praying for our building, like we, our current um, land, um, our current landowners, land uh, uh, our building owners, I don't know why I said that, uh, building owners, they were asking for more in our lease. And we just said we can't afford it. And so we had been in this place for seven years, like maybe God's doing a new thing. And we were just praying. And at that time also, uh, our former lead pastor, Zach Daniel, felt like his time after 10 years of serving in our church, that, he, that God was calling him and his family to start a new chapter in Waco and take a role with Antioch in Waco. And so that was the same time that uh, the overseer team uh, asked for Amy and I to pray about becoming lead pastors of Antioch Dallas. And so I was like, Lord, it would be really great to not have to be a, a mobile church and we could just focus on people and ministry. So Lord, would you, would you give us favor? And the miraculously, I mean, to me, you might think it was coincidence. I think it was a miracle. Um, is that the the owners came back to us and said, "Well, we want to work with you. Uh, we'll give you a discounted rate, um, but we're not going to do for seven years. We're going to do for three. And um, and so again, this scripture popped up: the three-year window. Um, and I was like, "Praise God!" So uh, last year was year one, and so this is actually year two of this three-year word. And it was this, this story of financial provision. Um, and it, praise God. Um, and so we're, we're here, and I just was like, it was like this reminder of like, Joe, this is not by your own negotiating skills. Uh, this is not like it. I, we had commercial um, real estate attorneys in our church at the time. And I said, hey, would you take a look at this? What did you think? And he didn't know what I'd been praying. And he said, yeah, this is a favorable deal. It's like what he emailed back. I was like, Thank you, Lord. Answer to prayer. But then there's this other thing that I feel like God's doing in our church is this take root below. And so for the past 10 years of our church, so our church started in 2001, really, and it's been through several iterations, but I've been a part of the church for about the past decade. And at that time in the church, I met my wife, Amy, here. Um, and at that time, the last 10 years, it's been a lot of young adults in their 20s who would move to Dallas for a new job, and then young families. And so we would see in our church, uh, like we would operate kind of like a spiritual greenhouse where plants would come in, get nurtured, have life, and then they would be sent out and planted somewhere else. So Dallas is a big city, transient city. So they would, people would come to our church and they would encounter Jesus in community or in the word or in, 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 in the gospel, and they would they would follow Jesus and realize, oh, there's more than what I realized, or I didn't know this, but then they would be called somewhere else or be planted somewhere else. And so we own that. I was like, man, what a great vision that we'd be a spiritual greenhouse, kind of like uh, the city of Antioch, the church in Antioch, and send people out, right? And so we owned that for about a decade. But then what we realized was that there was more people who felt called to plant roots and to stay and to be a part of what God's doing in Dallas and the Metroplex and realizing that the nations of the earth are in our backyard. So how can we um, be faithful here? And, and the word that Zach Daniel and Christina and the overseer team felt like God was starting a new chapter in our church was that he's taking us from being a greenhouse to a farm. So 
taking us from being a greenhouse to a farm. The DeBrots are very happy about that. I uh, love it. I'm excited about it too. And if you think about some differences between a greenhouse and a farm, uh, I have a table up here with some comparisons. So greenhouses are great, but greenhouses are also very portable. I was walking in Costco the other day. You could buy a greenhouse right there. It was like right in the shopping center. You could put it in your back, backyard. It's great. It's portable. A farm is tied to the land. It's tied to the land. It's, it's, it's something that speaks to uh, longevity and inheritance. A greenhouse also has plants that are temporarily potted, right? And then a farm has plants that are rooted in soil. And the interesting about that is that the greenhouse is great for helping plants get, get started in their early phase, but you can't actually mature in a potted plant. They're like, unless you're a fern or something like that, like actual crops cannot mature if they're shielded from the elements all the time. And so the actual plants are mature when they're rooted in soil. And I was like, Lord, let that be for us. Let us be a mature church. Uh, another thing, greenhouses shield plants from the weather and changes, but a farm needs to work with the seasons. We got to know the seasons that God has us in and the rhythms of our, of our culture and our city and where we're coming and just be more attentive. Like how can we um, be wise like a farmer is and partner with, okay, God, you are the farmer. We are the field. How can we partner with you in what you're doing? And another thing is that a greenhouse, one person could garden a greenhouse. But there's no way one person could take care of a farm. There's no way that one person could tend to everything unless you call your, your, uh, your vegetable garden a farm. If you call it that, then, you know, pro- yeah, that, that's great. You can do that. But if you're thinking about like a farm, it takes a family. It takes a community to be a part of the farm. So we feel like this word of Isaiah 37, 30 through 32 is a three-year word. We just finished year one and we're entering in year two. So in Vision Sunday, we're going to look back what has sprung up from the ground in year one. What has sprung up from the ground in this past year? Um, And I don't have time to go through all of the things, obviously, uh, but I just want to highlight a few. Last year, we felt like the prayer that God highlighted for us to pray was the same prayer Jesus prayed in John 17. And this is what Jesus said. He said, my prayer is not for them alone, not the disciples around him alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So that's us. So Jesus was praying for us, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So in a word, last year was about unity. It was about union with God, communion with one another. And so from year one, we leaned, our, our, our prayer was, God, would you make us one? God, would you help us to grow in this unity with you, grow in this unity with one another? And it was beautiful to see, like, as, uh, just as there were so many new things happening, Amy and I stepping in as lead pastor, we just felt there was a unity of the Spirit, felt so supported, and people were saying, hey, uh, how can I help? Where can I serve? What can I, it just was like the Spirit of, of, of unity, that people had. And so we went through the book of Ephesians last year. And as we went through the book of Ephesians, we looked at what it talked about, about our identity of being in Christ. And that union with God is something that he does in us. 
And so we just spent time in the spring looking at foundationally what it means to be in the Messiah, what it means to be in Christ. And then we spent time in the fall looking at, okay, if we are in Christ and he says in Ephesians 4 to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and to make every effort to maintain unity of the Spirit, how do we do that? We looked at loving one another, loving one another. And so it was just this awesome picture as a church of Jesus being the head, but all of us having a part to play as a member of the body. And so just a few things I just want to give thanks to the Lord for to help us remember is that God was faithful last year to provide people. And I just say every one of you who are on that journey that have served, that have been a part, it, is, it, it matters. I just want to honor you and say thank you. Thank you for being a part of this journey of becoming a greenhouse to a farm. I also just want to honor our staff. My goodness. Uh, they have been, uh, someone said recently on our staff, they have been more busy than they've ever been in years past, but they also are just feeling like the peace of God and everything that they're doing. And I was like, praise the Lord. That's, that's the Lord, not my leadership. But yeah, that's springing up from the ground, honestly. Just a good reminder. And I just, you know, providing people and, and thinking about Marshall and Lacey Herndon for y'all, uh, who are our college pastors um, in, in Cedar Hill, reaching out to DBU, felt God lead them back to move back to Richardson and that cost. But that also allowed us for him to take the missions director role and to have an opportunity to help people like the parks be sent out and to start our Antioch Discipleship School again and having 10 students and just seeing us be a greenhouse, but also the beginnings of a foundation of a farm. And so there was just, uh, I can go on and on about our staff, but they just have done an amazing job. I just want to honor them. I want to honor um, our life group leaders and our kids ministry. Like y'all have just done an amazing, amazing job of just over and over and over again, just saying, where can I serve? How can I love Jesus? How can I be present here? Um, so way to go. I just want to say God is faithful to provide resources. Man, uh, we set our budget last year, and it was awesome just to see God provide over the spring, over the summer. Uh, and then as we were going into the Christmas season, as we were meeting with our new overseer team, I didn't even say that, our past overseer team of Alex Sudan, uh, of Amy Banta, now Marceau, and Matt Reynolds helped oversee the transition, and we were also able to install new overseer team leadership and Melanie Benz and Donnie Tapey and Kevin Palm. And so it was just exciting. Like those are big things that we would just forget if we just keep going. But we were, we were meeting together and realizing like, oh, we're not quite meeting where we're at. In fact, we're kind of way lower than we thought towards the end of the year. And so I was like, okay, well, let's just model Acts 2, 42 through 47 and share with the church, hey, we have a need um, going into Christmas. But as we prayed about it, though, we felt like the Lord was, it was not a green light to share. So we just felt like, what if we just pray for one month in December and see what happens? And so we prayed, and I don't know if it was because I was aware of it more, but I feel like I got more end-of-year giving campaign emails from nonprofits and churches and different things. And I was like, did we miss it? Like, should we have done something? But I just was like, okay, I'm trusting you, Lord. And I just want to say, praise God, in December, we were able to meet our budget we had double over what we expected come in in the month of December through your generosity and through the people and through uh, large donations of uh, we didn't know where it came from, but God provided. And so it's just another reminder. Thank you, Lord. 
And we, as an as a overseer team, we were like, oh, we would love to call people the long-term partnership and investment and not short-term, like a short-term need. And so that's like, we just wanted to share that with y'all. Like, we are excited for where God's calling us. And also, like, we want to invite people to be long-term partners of where their tithes and offerings go. Like, it is to the farm, but it's also to bless our city and other uh, church planning efforts and uh, ministries in our city. So we just want to say God is faithful to provide resources. Uh, that's on a big level. I know there's lots of individual stories of God providing resources in our church. And then lastly, just way, God is faithful to bring resurrection life in Christ. He is faithful. We had uh, eight baptisms last year uh, of both kids and adults and just seeing there being new life in Christ springing up from the ground. So that's just a highlight of where we've been. So now what is springing up from the ground in year two? Just as we're kind of looking ahead, what is springing up from the ground in year two? Well, we just finished in the month of January our fifth annual 21 days of prayer and fasting. And what we, in, as a leadership team and overseer team, what we felt like God was saying after praying about, okay, what is the theme for this year? Is I just felt strongly the Lord was saying, I want you to build the habit of coming to me. Come to me. And so that was our theme. There's several places in the Gospels where Jesus says, Come to me, and you will find food if you're hungry. Come to me if you are thirsty in your soul and rivers of living water will be put in you as you believe in you through the Holy Spirit. There was also a part in Matthew 11 where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that is the scripture that we camped out in for the last month. I'm going to read it again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So we meditated on that. We preached through that line by line uh, on Sundays. And then during the week, we would create habits, and we would encourage us to fast from food, from media, from spending in different ways so that we would see, okay, where are we going to things other than Jesus first that are not bad things, but we're going to come to Jesus who says that, I want to be yoked to you. I want to walk with you. I love you. And I just feel like even there might be this morning a question mark of does God see me? Does God care about me? Where are you? And I just say, he has come near and he is inviting you to come to him for he is gentle and humble of heart and he wants to teach us how to walk with him in the same way that we are yoked like two oxen are pulling together in the work, but he says the yoke is easy and the burden is light because he is the one pulling. And I think we have a picture, uh, again, of just to remind if you don't, if you thinking about a farm, thinking about two oxen pulling together and they pair a mature ox with an immature ox to help learn how do we walk together. And so that's the visual that was for our prayer and fasting. But really, it's not just for a three-week period. We think this is going to be for our, the whole year of learning how to walk with Jesus in his light and easy yoke. And so where is God leading us in year two? I believe God's leading us as a church to learn how to walk with Jesus together. That is the phrase. That is the, the goal that we feel like God's highlighted for our church. And I'm so excited to unpack that more next week as we go into walking with Jesus together. But as we go into that next week, I just feel like the yoke 
and the light and easiness that there is a walking with Jesus that we are going to do as a church family together. A quick word on walk with Jesus. Walking with Jesus, the pace at which Jesus did life in the Gospels, you think about it, Jesus accomplished more than any other human being that ever lived. But you don't see him going at a pace that was over three miles an hour the entire time. And it's not that there was an urgency. There was time where he said, we must go to another village, or I'm going to Jerusalem, or telling people like Peter who said, I have a different agenda for you. He said, get behind me, Satan, you have in mind things of God, not things, uh, things of man, not things of God. So we see he was intentional, but there was a pace that he's going of walking with Jesus together. And I think that there's wisdom for us in a go, 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 go culture that if you've ever encountered someone that you've had lunch or coffee with that is not distracted, that is calm, that is non-anxious, it's like, okay, I need to find out what, what's happening here because that is not where I'm at. That's not where the world's at. And even thinking that walking with Jesus, not just a pace for us, but for us to learn how to walk with Jesus as a witness to the world, as a witness to the rest of our souls. So that's walking with Jesus. But also walking with Jesus is that there is a purpose, there is a mission that God has of seeing people come to know Him, seeing people who don't know, like, uh, like Caleb was saying, 30% of the world has never had someone come and share the gospel with them. So we want to be a part of, God, we want to be a blessing to you and blessing to our city. So we want to walk with Jesus. And this last part is together. Together. When we come together, we follow Jesus. We're doing it together as a family. And Melanie Benz recently uh, said this quote that has stuck with me. And she said, um, I don't know where she got it. You can ask her. Um, but I want to give her credit for it. She said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Let's say it again. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so this three-year journey of becoming, of going from a greenhouse to a farm is one where we want to take root below. We want longevity. We want to go far. And we want to have a, a, a mind even of seeing our kids and, and the next generations and, and the generations after that of inheriting a place in Dallas where they can hear the gospel. They can know that the word of God is preached. They can see that, okay, there is the Holy Spirit is present. And there's so many churches like that in our city. We just want to partner with what God's doing as one of them in our city. And so we want to say we want to walk with Jesus together. So how are we going to do that? Uh, next week, we're going to start a six-week study of the New Testament church and seeing how did they walk with Jesus uh, together when he ascended and left the Holy Spirit and said, okay, you are now going to be my hands and feet, church. What did that look like? And as you study the New Testament church, there are five different environments or circles where we can walk with Jesus together. And we're going to go through those over the course of the next six weeks. I'll just send up, uh, just to give you a preview, I think there's a graphic of the five circles, five circles of a healthy church. And if you go to the next slide, a uh, little, little bit hard to read on the slide, but there's a circle of one is how do we actually walk with Jesus in our personal lives? And then there's another circle of like, okay, but I like personal relationship with Jesus, but uh, how do I learn how to do this? If it's just me and Jesus, how do I actually learn uh, how to, how to follow Jesus. And that's where it gets into mentorship and life-on-life -life discipleship and being in discipleship groups. And then there's 
We also walk with Jesus when we meet house to house in life groups. And then if you ever wondered, why do we do Sundays? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why we do Sundays uh, when we're a church gathered. And then the fifth one is like, all of that is like an engine propelling us to be witnesses in the world as a church scattered in our different spheres. And so we're going to go through the New Testament church and see how they walked with Jesus and walked in the yoke of Jesus. And we're going to learn how to do that together. And that'll lead us into Easter. And so that's where we're headed over the next six weeks. And I'm really excited to walk with Jesus together. So as a summary, where is God leading us now? We just finished year one. And what sprung up from the ground was God's faithfulness. He provided just people, unity, resources, everything we needed. And we're, I feel like from a place of unity, we're moving forward. And now he's saying, I'm taking you on a journey. Walk with me together in year two. And then in year three plus, we're going from a greenhouse to a farm. So that's the vision of where we're going. I'm really excited about it. And again, just sharing Isaiah 37, 30 through 32. May it be, Lord, that this, is, this will be a sign for us that this year you will eat what grows up by itself. And the second year what springs up from that. But in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen? Amen. Well, hey, band, if you're going to invite you to come on up, I want to close with a song of worship. I just invite you all to stand right now as well as we're responding to the Lord. I think there's just a few things um, on my heart uh, to, uh, to share with you uh, as we're closing. Um, one is just as I was praying and different people were praying uh, for the service, uh, just getting a sense that there might be some of you here that just has this question mark of, God, do you see me? God, do you love me? Uh, and uh, I want to invite our prayer team, our prayer and prophetic team up here. Uh, I just want to say, if that's something that you feel like is a question mark, I just want to say, man, the Lord in the cross and in the gospel is, is changing that to an exclamation point in your life of like, God, do you love me? It's like, oh, the love that he's lavished on us that we would be called the children of God. But the Lord is gentle and humble of heart. And sometimes we need to bring that to him of, of just that, um, that need for him to meet us there. So just wanna say, uh, if that's you, I wanna invite you to come and just respond. It might be responding in worship. It might be having someone to come and partner with you in prayer and just confessing, Lord, that's, that's me. Uh, I, I need help with that. And there's also another group of people that I just want to boldly ask, would you pray about continuing to, to be a part of this Greenhouse to Farm vision over the next two years? Uh, last year, I asked, hey, would you pray about committing for the next three years? I'm just thinking about, I don't know if I've ever committed to anything besides my marriage for over three years in my life. And it just felt like, well, it's a long time. And understand that, you know, life happens and things change. But as far as you know, we we get transformed by the Lord in relationships where we're planted over longer periods of time. And so I believe that God's building something here. So I just want to invite you to pray and ask God, is this the family? Is this the soil that you're planting me into? And, and it, your first step might be to go to Discover Antioch. Your first step might be to pray about it. But I just want to ask you to pray and to pray again and to be uh, submitted to the Lord. And so wherever you're at, Let's respond to what God's saying this morning. Let's respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying uh, and go to him right now. So Lord, we love you. 
God, we honor you in this place. And Lord, we pray, God, would you make us one ongoing and would you help us to walk with you together as a church family? Would you help us to follow your lead that you would be glorified as you're making us not only from a greenhouse, but just to a farm. God, to follow you. And Lord, I pray that for every person here, God, that you would speak to them clearly. God, that you would give them vision for their life. In Jesus' name, amen.